So a few weeks ago at my team building with my EdTech team, we did a exercise called Six Lives. We also do this in our passion and purpose workshop for kids. Have you heard of it before? Mm-mm. What is it? Okay. So you kind of get a description of six different lives in about three sentences. So there's someone who is a teacher, but has an estranged daughter, but then sent a lot of kids to MIT. And then there's someone who's a stonemason who doesn't make a lot of money and just spends time building homes, but has a very like great family. There's an investment banker who has a disabled daughter and is very loyal to her company, is a senior executive there. There's a wealthy investor who has investments everywhere, travels the world, parties, but is divorced and doesn't have kids. Um, There's someone that's the nonprofit executive who had a pretty successful career in something financial or tech or whatever, but then had this like awakening and now wants to go to move to Africa and like to make an impact and like, I don't know, build water systems there. Uh, Am I getting everyone? Was that six? I don't know. But, But you get the point. There's like, six different descriptions to do with their family, their work, what they do. And then your job is to, or like the exercise is to rank these six lives based on who you think is most successful in the order of success. And the goal of this is to better understand your values. And so my team all did this. We all had like different rankings and we talked about why we rank things the way that they are. And so some people on my team are like, oh, I ranked nonprofit executive first because of the impact, like the group impact that you make and then the teacher next. A lot of people rank stonemason first because they value relationships more than anything. So they ranked it in order of success of relationships. And then some other people might've ranked it for money. And for me, I did rank wealthy investor first, which is, I think the richest person there, but I didn't rank him based on his wealth or I didn't rank based on wealth at all. I ranked based on adventure and excitement of that person's life, like whether they lived a life worth living. And I was really surprised because no one else on my team ranked theirs in that way. And I didn't even realize I ranked it in that way either. I like only through talking about it did I realize, oh, hey, like it's not money because they, they, everyone thought that I ranked it based on like wealth and money, but it, mm-hmm. it wasn't that. I actually ranked the investment banker last because I actually feel like she was tied to one company for the last like 20 years. She has a disabled daughter where she ran a marathon pushing her, which is awesome. That was high in the people who ranked based on relationship. But for me, all of that meant felt kind of trapped. And the second to last was Stonemason because he just built homes and like stayed in his community And had a great relationship and a great life and didn't have a lot of money, but it's not about the money, you know? So why bring this up is I asked myself this question, and maybe this is something that I just want to talk through, is why do I value adventure so much? And I know you do too, because that's the whole concept of Asian Wonder Woman. This like unconventional life, living a fulfilled life. But you can get fulfilled in many different ways. But for us, fulfillment is adventure. And I always thought everyone thought of it like that. But clearly, even my team, who a lot of them could be digital nomads, but aren't, decide that that isn't important to them. And, you know, knowing that, like, why do you think you crave adventure in your life based on, you know, your upbringing, what you think success is, et cetera? This is a really tough question to unpack. And there's so much to it. And I do want to preface that, like, again, like everyone's lives are important, regardless of like what decision you make. Um, I think 
just to speak to my own experiences, I really think it's because of my father. So for context, like my father is someone who like sold his house in Taiwan and he did his MBA in Texas and then moved the family to California. Like he really was the pioneer of his family and he did whatever it took to get us there. And I think that was super impactful. And like, he doesn't talk about a lot of like the racism and like how he ate like chicken, chicken wings for like five months straight because they were like scrimping on money. Like I actually, when I was born, I, my crate was a shopping cart from like 99 cents. There was like so many struggles that my family went through that I don't really share or talk about, but I think unpacking this and like slowly having these conversations with my father uh, showed me like, wow, my, my father actually was super adventurous and pushed us even like since the beginning. And he would do like little things to make me and my sister super hyper independent, which is like go order food in English at McDonald's. Um, He would like enroll us in like tennis classes. He would enroll us in like uh, swim classes. Like he taught us, he made us learn very practical skills and started like kind of almost like training us. I don't know if it's because of like- Why is tennis practical? Because- for him, he was like, you are part of a team. You learn like hand-eye coordination. You're like, you're healthy, you're fit. You know, it's like certain things like that. So like my dad didn't have the mentality of like, my kid needs to be like straight A student. It was more of like, I want my kid to be like street smart. I want her to be gritty. I want her to have all these like uh, capable skills. Like just, he really focused on more like high EQ actually. And I think that mm. was like his perspective on life like if you have high eq you can make it out in this world um though iq also is just as important it's just perception but i think i alluded a lot to my father i have a lot of characteristics that take after him but i think it's also just his support and like whatever like i was like i want to go to san francisco he's like go i was like i want to go to china beijing for a year and he's like go like he just did not he's actually just did not care and just supported me in whatever I did. So I grew up not in that, like, you know, that, like that straight A student household mentality, but it also came with difficulties. Cause I'm like, I'm still kind of lost. And sometimes it would have been nice to just have some sort of guidance. Mm. How was that with your family? So before I go into my family, you, you said a few things that really resonated with me. And I actually have something to respond where you say that, like, you feel kind of lost and yeah. that you wanted guidance and your dad was really supportive in like whatever it is that you do. And yeah. you've talked about your dad a few times on this podcast too. And I get mm-hmm. a feeling that he's someone who believes that life is just, you just go do the things that you want to go do. Right. And that's yeah. why he's super supportive and being lost is just a part of life because mm-hmm. he went and carved his own path moving from Taiwan to Texas and then to San Francisco and then now back to Taiwan and, you know, probably made choices that including how to educate you and your sister based on what he thinks life is about. And to him, it's like, go and have these like experiences. It doesn't like, there's no one clear path to success. Right. Yeah. It's been very normalized in our family. Like the taking risks has been very normalized in our family. But for what? Like, what does he think success is then? That's the thing with my, with my family. Like they don't really care what I do. I mean, maybe my mom does. Like, I think my mom's like, please find a husband. Like, please get a stable job. Please work in government. Like, you know, that's like her mentality of like just taking care of her youngest daughter. But she doesn't push it. She doesn't push it. Yeah. But my family, like, I mean... Honestly, like when I was in Bay Area, like working at a startup or like, I think their success 
the the idea of their success is just like is government job. <laughs> like they're like anything that's stable, pays a good income, has a good like social security package, like that is success. Where it's like everything is just consistent to them. But that that's anti how they raised you though. I know, but like if they really wanted you to do that, yeah. Then why did they say yes to all of the things that you wanted to do? I think one because they realize like they just can't control me like what I'm doing and also my sister has fulfilled that part already like she works government job she has a government job she's stable has a kid family career whatever like they're happy with that I think with me they're more of like it would be nice if you work for a government job but since you're doing all the things that you're doing we're just going to support you and like root for you while you're doing all of this but was that your parents dream like did your parents want to work a government job what do they do my mom used to do like she used to work at like an after school academy, right? Like she was like a teacher also like taking care of like the kids there. Like think of like elite, you know, like elite, like SAT prep center, like okay, stuff like sure, that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so something similar to that. And then my dad did like a various bunch of like different jobs ranging from like somewhat like of a chief of staff role at like Sharp. Remember Sharp, like along that old oh. company, <laughs> it's like a, a manufacturing electronics company. See, like I okay. hope people know this on this podcast, but um, worked for Sharp, did like real estate, worked for like um, like government, something to do with like airport stuff. I, I actually don't really know, but all I know is like it has to do with like airport. A lot of different jobs. Is it, yes. did he choose to change these jobs or like it was out of necessity? I think peak 2008, that's when like the financial crisis happened and he was a realtor back then. He just like was out of a job and like couldn't sell homes. So he like transitioned into like government, which is why I think he thinks that it's so stable and a good place to be. And given that my sister's in it as well, and she's been in government for like since graduation, like I think that's kind of just been their mentality of like stability is not a bad thing. Yeah, I think it's just more around like control. Like they have given me the optionality to live my life, but in the end, they still think that like having stability or a sense of control is like what's most important, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I, I can understand that because like your dad worked a bunch of like odd sort of jobs, not really odd jobs, like they were at, at larger establishments, right? But, and so he might've seen like what skills were really necessary to succeed and trained you and your sister in that way, but then your family still craved stability. And yeah. it's kind of this, like, I think it's a mix between East and West thinking. Yeah. Because my parents are divorced. My dad lives in China. And mm. my mom has spent the last 25 years in Canada. And Owen and I talk about this all the time, where, like, his parents, who spent also the last 25 years or so in the U.S., are mm. way more Westernized Asians compared to my dad, who spent the last 20 years in China. Right? And yeah. so just the way that they speak to me and they, what they think is slightly different, even though they're all kind of supportive of the unconventional life that I want to live. And I'm trying to think like what made me crave adventure. You know, I remember being very young, like in middle school and high school, we had like a massage chair in the house and next to the massage chair was a world map. And uh -huh. <laughs> I don't know if we recorded when I was in Ottawa, I forgot, but there was a world map behind me. It was that map. And I would like look at it and be like, oh my gosh, all the places that I'll go. I think that's when it started. Oh yeah. So my dad, 
Um, he worked in like sales at like a very large like electronics company. Both my parents were telecommunications engineers. When they moved, they worked at Nortel, which also <laughs> like just went just famously went bankrupt in the dot com bust. And then my mom actually kept her job. My mom never had to switch a job through the entire time, but she always told me like, "Hey, you know, you're different. Like, we're the first generation immigrants. We have to." you like crave stability. Like I'm not going to go and quit and like find a job. She's interviewed in different places, including the government, but she's never really taken the step out to find a new job, but she loves her job. Like she actually really, really enjoys it. But speaking of my dad, who was in sales when I was young, he like traveled a lot and he would send me postcards from different places. And after each one, he'd be like, okay, daddy will take you here someday. But because I only saw him once a year and I usually see him in China, there's not that many opportunities to take me to Germany and Japan and like France places that he sent these postcards from. But I just knew of these different places and I knew that it was something exciting because my dad positioned it that way. And so I think maybe that had a part in me wanting to travel, but it really changed in my study abroad. And I know you went to study abroad too in China. And I went to study abroad in Warsaw, Poland. And everyone goes from my university, like 80% of people who study business from Queens University in Canada go on exchange. And everyone's lives change. And for me, my one intention when I moved there was I'm going to be my fullest self because I'm only here for four months. I'm going to hang out with the people that I really enjoy hanging out with. I'm not going to pretend to be something different. And I think that's something I really struggled with in high school and university when I didn't really know who I was and who I really wanted to hang out with. And so without that kind of pressure, I just loved living in Warsaw, Poland. And I loved traveling across Europe because flights and trains were like so cheap to just backpack. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. Like, and I was, I was always a huge fan of history. So in every place being a cultural traveler, was just really, really meaningful to me. So that really lit my spark. And once I found out that, hey, like you can do this all the time, I wasn't the first digital nomad, right? Like I had examples of my friends in e-commerce started doing it in 2017, right before I left. And they showed me that, hey, you can go live in different places and continue this life of travel. Like, why wouldn't I do that? Yeah. You know, I think just giving your time in like Poland too, I think, I mean, like using an analogy, I kind of feel like travel sometimes is like building a callus to the world. Like your risk tolerance gets higher. I think when you leave your bubble, you're just like faced with like a thousand different types of decisions to make. Uh, When you're overseas, it's like, I need to get a SIM card. I need to speak in a different language. I need to make new friends. Like you're building up so many different new things that you're like, your brain is like rewired to be more like independent, more confident, especially the confidence part. I think mm-hmm. you get rewired when you like step out of your world. And I think it's kind of like a momentum. Like once you start building that up, like you, the world is your oyster and you can just do whatever the F you want. So yeah. I think like just thinking about like my time in China as well and your time in Poland, like that was really like the pivotal moment, I think, when maybe both of this started for us. Yeah. Like, do you like who you are when you're away from all the people that hold you to who you are at home? Right. I think that was the biggest point. I'm like, who am I without my environment that I had curated? I didn't really have a chance in curating, I guess, when I was Mm. in university or in high school. I kind of went to the high school that was, you know, the place to go. And then I went to university and I chose a degree and there was a certain subset of people that were there. 
But then when yeah. you travel, you can become whoever you want to be. And that's why at the beginning, I learned so much about myself from traveling mm -hmm. because you're put in situations that test who you are and you meet people and you have like a fresh start all the time. And that's super exciting. And back then, I think social media wasn't that big of a thing. So like you didn't really have yeah. like this persona. Now we both have like this persona online. <laughs> and when someone switches us up, they're like, oh, this is you, you know? <laughs> it's it's interesting because I think in every different country or like every, like let's say like relationships too, like I almost revert back into the person that I was when I yeah. met that person, right? It's like my high school best friend, like I just revert back into like, we, I don't know, we just it's just so easy and like comfortable and we just talk about like dumb things and I don't need to talk about like what I'm working on or my career. It's just very comfortable. And same with my parents too. When I go back home, I just like, I become a kid again and like my mom's cutting me through and we don't talk about work things really. It's just more around like family things. Um, so it's interesting to see how like my character or my persona changes when I'm like with certain people but I think what's most comforting is like feeling or being around people who make me feel at home where like I can take off those layers and just talk about things that like actually matter. Do you feel that way sometimes? Or like, oh, actually, one of the questions I had, do you think it's harder to find those people that make you feel like home wherever you are? That's a really great question. So this weekend, I'm actually going to this event in SF mm -hmm. called Philosophy Sleepovers. Whoa. And the topic, it's the 21st one. Wow. It happens every month. And people go sleepover somewhere where like sometimes it's not a sleepover and you just go till 2 a.m. Like the one that <laughs> I'm going to. And I'm like, oh, geez, I have not stayed up till 2 a.m. for like a very long time. <laughs> you know, but I don't know if I'm going to be awake to discuss philosophical <laughs> things. But the, the topic is home. It's like what mm. makes you feel like home or what makes a place start to feel like home and I really crave like a real home I actually went uh house hunting in San Francisco yeah. near Glen Park <laughs> um, <laughs> yesterday um not not it's not a good time to buy yet according to my parents and Owen's parents yeah. they're like do not buy like hold on to your cash but yeah I just like you I want I know what kind of spaces I like now after traveling. And so I want to create that space for myself. And I also know that life is about like curation, right? And then when you have your yeah. own space, you get to curate what you want this space to be like, including art and objects, etc. Mm -hmm. But right now I can't, I can only curate the clothes that can fit in one suitcase. <laughs> and that's about it. And I'm like, I, I want to start thinking about digital curation too. But to answer your question of like home, mm -hmm. Obviously, like, I feel like home whenever I'm with people, like my family, like my parents and Owen. And with friends, I would actually say the opposite of you where you're like, oh, when you're with your high school best friend, you mm -hmm. revert to your high school self. I hate that. I don't mm -hmm. like hanging out with a lot of people from university because um. I don't want to revert there. Or I just it feel so long ago that I'm like, I don't even remember who I was. Do you remember who I was? Like, you know, like what, how should I act and stuff? And so yeah. I almost want to move to Lisbon and like, I want to go places and start curating a new community. And there's like mm. two different ways of doing this. And I, I want to hear your opinion too, because 
you can go back to your old community in San Francisco. And that's what Owen wants to do right now. We're like, let's get a place. And I'm starting to fall in love with San Francisco again because of the communities that excite me here. Like the philosophy sleepover thing, minus the fact that can't we do like a philosophy brunch? You know, <laughs> can I get up in the morning? <laughs> Why does it be a sleepover? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and the people are in their late 20s and 30s too. It's not like a kid, you know, thing where they like to stay up. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. So I do really like it, but I do almost think like being here, I revert back to who I was, like mm. who I hang out with, what I'm known for, like what I used to do and people I used to hang out with when I really just want to shed some layers. And I'm not saying that all of my friends can't come along with me. In fact, I think that like friendship is about vulnerability and shared experiences, like sharing your ideas, sharing your stories, sharing your opinions, whatever. There's ways to rebuild that friendship. But then I moved to SF and rebuilt this place, right? So moving to Lisbon, I get to start over and Mm -hmm. you get to choose from like literally ground zero, how to build a home versus how to toss some stuff out and like put some stuff in and, you know? Yeah. So you rebuilding a new home and like community in Portugal, like though it's like curation that you want, do you feel like you'll be able to find all the things that you need though? Cause Portugal, I mean, it's t- like, I, I mean, Portugal, okay. Like just on the top of my head, I'm like, Oh, Portugal. Like I've never been. So I, again, like I don't have context, but visit me. Yeah, I definitely will. Actually, <laughs> I will come hang out with you. Maybe I'll go there for a month as well, but it's also, it's a, it's a hard, it's a hard problem because it's like, will you find the people in Portugal that will make it feel like home. Like that's the whole like thing. And the, and like relationships or like friendships in general, they don't, it doesn't take like a day or like a week, right? This is like years of like curation, years of like coffee chats or like years of building projects together, things like that. Like it's, it might be hard going into like a new country and having that expectation of like, oh, I'm building up, if, if that makes sense. I think it can be really easy too. Like coming yeah. to SF, it was easy to make friends because everyone was like that, right? I think there's a big movement into Portugal right now. So I think a lot of people will be looking for friends. Um, I don't think it needs to be that. I do think it takes time to build trust, but I don't think it needs to be hard to light up in conversation if you find the right people. Um, but we veered pretty far off from like, how do, why do you seek adventure? Like, you know, why, how has your upbringing affected like your wandering life? Is there anything that like has come up for you in this conversation that we didn't touch on? I think the one, I mean, the only thing that I do want to just share actually is around like the expectations of like Asian parents, which is funny because I feel like Asian parents have such high expectations of their kids sometimes, right? Um, But I feel like for me, I was at the opposite spectrum where I'm like, my parents didn't really have expectations for me. You know, like I was kind of like the black sheep. Like, Where did the expectations for yourself come from? Because I always think that like when someone expects highly of you, you start expecting highly of yourself. You know, yeah. it doesn't have to be in anything specific, but yeah. it's like, did your parents never say, oh, you're going to do great things. You're going to lead such an awesome life. I think I've been undermined a lot. Like when I was younger, like, especially from my, my dad, sometimes like he would be like, oh yeah. Like, you know, like that's my youngest daughter. Like she's like, what would he, what, he would say something that like would piss me off. And I, I, he would say it jokingly like, oh, like, you know, she's like small and cute, but she's like, doesn't have that many brains. It's like stuff like that, that he would say. Oh my God. Yeah. No, that's like trauma right there. Are you sure you work through this? <laughs> I don't know. That's the thing. Cause like a lot of his friends would be like, oh, your daughter's so pretty. Like, you know, blah, 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 blah. Like, oh, like she's so cute and she's so like nice and blah, blah, blah. And he would be like, almost in this weird like way of being humble. It was like, oh no, like, you know, she's, she's just like, 
whatever. So he would say stuff like that. And I think I grew up with that mentality. And then Wait, do you think he believed that? Like, do you think he meant it? I don't think so, actually. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. And I oh, so it sounds like within you there's still something that you're like, oh, does my dad think that I think I have a chip on my shoulder because of that. Mm-hmm. And also there was like one time in high school where I was like class president. So I ran like I ran against basically no one, right? Like no one wanted to run against me. I won with my um, then best friend and like president VP. And I remember one girl asked my friend, like, why is Emily president? She didn't like, she didn't do anything to win. Like it was just like stuff like that, that has been coming up in my life that I feel like I'm always like undermined or like being questioned. And so I think this is more of like an internal thing of like, I need to prove myself to the world. Mm, You have something to prove. Yeah, it is kind of toxic because I'm like, there's no pressure except for it's coming from myself. And so sometimes there's like, there's an end to it where I need to resolve it. But I think I've been regulating it a lot better these days. You've chosen your own track to compete in, right? Like very few people are in, which is great that you found it. But at any point, did you think that like climbing that corporate ladder, right? Like showing like in the, in the more conventional ways of success, did you ever try to go for that? because of what you just shared? I think my own my own success is like determined by me. And so I was like, I, I actually don't feel that people who climb like corporate ladders are successful because you just have more decisions to make. I don't know, it's all subjective, right? So like my- But where did you get that from? You know, like, where did you get that from? It seems like growing up, what I'm hearing is like, you're, you have like these messages that are very anti, right? And then- Well, because when I was climbing up, right? Like at that startup, I was like the community, like I was like, I started off as a specialist, community manager, senior community manager, and then there was opportunity to be like head of community. And I was like, I don't want this. (laughs) So I was like really burnt out. And I was just like, I don't, this isn't what I want to do. And I want to be more of like an IC, to be honest, like an individual contributor. And so that's why I was like, I just want to pave my own path and work on my own things. So I guess my, my path itself is kind of like a battle within me. I'm like, what do I determine as success? And like, when will this end? That Mm -hmm. pressure comes internally. This is why I'm like, I'm going to therapy. (laughs) Yeah, I think you (laughs) Um, But where did this unconventional way of success, where did you learn that that was possible? Oh, I was in Singapore. Oh, in Singapore. I think so. Well, I think it started off in Singapore in the sense where like in 2020, like, you know, like me moving to Singapore, like trying to find a job and then... I guess like I met a lot of interesting people in Singapore as well, like people who had moved around the world, were nomadic, built their own businesses. Also like you included, right? Like I think, yeah, like there's a lot of people I met throughout like the past couple of years who've shown me like it can be done. But one of the things that kind of accelerated this mindset was also through like Asian Wonder Woman. Because when you are suddenly like around women who are just doing like incredible things and beyond the nine to five or, you know, they're like, entrepreneurs it becomes normalized like I in my head I'm like oh this is so normal whereas like if you're not in this sphere or you're not in this community you don't think that it can be possible so I think that also has just accelerated like everything Mm. for me Uh, yeah join our community (laughs) this is a good (laughs) Good plug (laughs) yeah no I, I think we all need therapy in general like it's so interesting like hearing your story of all these different pieces coming together to shape the way that you think Right. You're like your dad's supportive or your family's supportive, but they also think there's a safe route and they also don't expect that much of you and how that affects your expectations of yourself and what you want to do in life. It's super important. Like I have the opposite experience and I know we don't have that much time to go into it, but 
my dad side of the family, even though we have our issues, my grandparents on my dad's side who raised me, plus my dad, were always just like, you are the smartest person. You are the most like, <laughs> super affirmative. You know, there's just like my, yeah. my grandpa was like, oh, th- I'm sure there's people prettier than Ivy, but I just can't see them. <laughs> I'm blind. And same with just like, yeah. you know, intelligent, like you're, you've always been the best. Like in my mind, you yeah. you're just the best. Like yeah. super, super affirmative. My yeah. mom never said that, but mm. always had like, high expectations for me yeah it's like if I wasn't doing well she was never like oh you're not good enough it was always like a okay let me find you a tutor actually no that's not always true I didn't do well in physics in grade 11 and she told me to drop physics (laughs) (laughs) because she got really frustrated she was trying to tutor me because she's an engineer so she took a lot of physics and she's like oh my god I can't even explain to my daughter you definitely don't have a mind to be an engineer and or like she wasn't like that she was just kind of like you have your talents. It was always like push strengths. And I think I have this like strong, this kind of relates it back actually. Like I have always had a strong mindset of like, I have strengths. Let's go and try to play off my strengths and less improve my weaknesses. My parents Mm. never focused on my weaknesses. Like I don't cook still. And my mom might complain about that, but then I found Owen who cooks. Right. But then when I go home, my mom's like, Oh, why don't my daughters cook, but still never forced me to learn cooking. (laughs) You know, (laughs) very basic things like this, or like I'm athletic. She's like, Oh, I wish I didn't force you into piano. I wish I just like put you into gymnastics or like figure skating, which is what I grew up doing. Like she let me quit piano by the time I was 12 in order to really, really go hard on sports. And so I think that really helps in being able to go all in on something that you're, you think you're good at or you're excited about. And I think that has really helped with risk taking because risks is really just like playing to win and not playing to not lose, right? So like if you improve your weaknesses, you're just trying to reduce your chances of loss versus if you really want to win big in life, you're like focusing on what can I do better like with the gifts that I already have. Um, and I think that relates to adventure and travel and like going all in on a certain lifestyle that maybe some people are more afraid to do yeah I think the similarity between like our parents as well is like they just didn't stop us right like Mm. they didn't shit on our dreams basically (laughs) whereas like I feel like a lot of Asians out there like their parents are like I'm going to disown you because you quit your job or I'm going to you know you're you don't you're not my daughter because you quit your engineering job I think both of our parents showed that there's like some sort of support in the decisions that we made and they let us be free and wander. And that kind of transcended over to like our current, wherever we are right now. So I'm grateful. It's a privilege. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's so nice to know that like your life is yours. Right. And like you get to choose how much to listen to all the voices in your life. And I hope that no matter where our listeners are in terms of like, their parents supporting or not supporting their dreams just like this is just such a struggle and I think there'll always be opposing voices sometimes it's your own too but amazing thanks for another episode Emily see you next week see ya yeah, I'm the baddest chick.